good evening. Hello. Uh, hey, it's That Sick, your favorite Disgusto podcast that you love to listen to and cringe. Hi. I'm Justine here with Heather. Kiwi. And these two are going to, I don't know what, I don't know how I'm going to feel at the end of this episode. You'll be all right. Any clues? You'll be all right. I'll um, be okay. Okay. I guess our our only clues are they're not actually super related, but whatever. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> they're okay. kind of related, but not really. But who cares? Sometimes those are my fa- I I like a loose connection. Yeah. I think it's more creative that way. It don't matter. Yeah. It's going to be great anyway. So, well, before you do the big reveal, let's kick things off with sickest thing of the week in a bad way. Anybody? I don't know if mine is good or bad. I believe it is what the internet would call cursed. Cursed. Are you familiar with the term? Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. Uh, so uh, my brother sent me a link to this video of this hairless cat uh, that doesn't have any eyeballs. <gasps> oh, all right. Y'all have seen this. No. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll send you a link later. I don't want to um, see it. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking weird. But it's uh, it's this cat and it doesn't have any eyeballs because it had uh, feline leukemia and... Aww. And, you know, lost its eyes through the course of the disease. The cat seems very happy and healthy otherwise. But that cat likes having its eye holes scratched. No! Yeah. Inside the eye holes? Like, like they're just like sockets that, you know, are skin. And it's a hairless cat, so it's just like skin. And, like, it's like, it's it's homie. It's, it's human friend. It's just scratching the inside of his eyeballs and the cat is loving the hell Check, out of please. it. Is he like thumping his back leg? He is leaning and <gasps> liking it. He's got an Instagram. This cat is like, it's a thing. Uh, what do you, oh my I forget God. what his name is. I'm sorry, but he's, he's something. Oh, his name is Sockets. <laughs> no, I think he has a, like a, whatever, a regular cat name like Mr. Misker Pants. Uh, so like, I, whatever, I'm, I'm a fan of all cats, but I'm so sorry. I, I just can't get down with the hairless cats because they're not fuzzy. Like I need the fuzzy. I need big, thick fuzzy. I agree. I know they have, I've, I've petted the hairless cats before. They, they feel like a, uh, like a, a breast. A large, our large, squishy breast, maybe. Um, oh, but but they feel warmer, like very warm, because cats run like a hundred and like you know, like a hundred and two or whatever. Like that's normal for them. They like, feel like a warm titty. Feel like a very warm titty or a scrotum, because like the skin is so loose, but it also is like velvety. It has a very you know, it's very it's it's soft. It's very soft. But it's it's not fuzzy, and you definitely can't like bury your face in that and go. Ugh. I mean, I guess if the hairless cat had a good personality, I'd be down. I I I just need the fuzzy. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't get past it. I'm I'm prejudiced against the hairless cat. Would you? So would you rather have the fuzziest cat that was also just an absolute asshole, like like um cat from hell level asshole? No. Or a really sweetie boy, sweet hairless cat. cat, sweet hairless cat. See, I I knew you were on the right side. Yeah, Thanks. because okay. yeah, because a, a nasty cat is one cat that will not let me touch it. And if a cat will not let me touch it, then I have no use for that cat. Good point. <laughs> I I I like that. Okay, uh, JB, I was horrified. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, that was great. I can't believe that exists in the world. And I, the now, internet amuses and astounds us every day. And now I'll never stop thinking about it. 
Heather, any yeah. anything for you? Sickest thing of the week. Okay, well, all right. So I can't breach HIPAA. No, we all don't. know. We all JB and I were talking about this before he came over. We all know I'm, you know, you might have notified if you listen to this podcast that like I work in the medical industry. I'm not going to talk about it, but there are such a thing as medical grade leeches. And I got to see them with my eyes, mine own two eyes. And it was fucking amazing. Did you get to apply them? No. Will you ever get to? No. Okay. Is there like a specific leech person? Well, oh, no. Well, I could, but I just don't have that kind of job that, I, you know. Got it. Okay. You you know, if I got, I got a different type of job, I could. I could become a leech applier. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm comfortable in my position. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, medical-grade leeches. We should do a whole episode on it because it's, it's fucking disgusting and amazing. And they're great. They, they work. They, what they do is they, they suck out blood from injuries like from basically like you've got injured tissue that has too much blood collected underneath of it uh you can put a leech on there and it'll suck out that blood and uh because you know what can happen is the tissue can die like your the blood causes compartment syndrome and it, it cuts off like you know the capillaries and the so basically it cuts the, it cuts off the blood supply it cuts necessary blood off yeah. from other parts of the body yeah it's like this 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 blood collected in this um third spacing uh you know it's basically underneath the tissue but it's not in your veins that is collecting there and it's cutting off the actual blood exchange in your veins and your arteries causing the tissue necrosis and so if you apply the leech to that area they'll suck out that blood get all nice and fat and love it and then Ta-da. Like literally like they do the work for you like it's so easy and it's it sounds like something out of medieval times but it happens i think that's awesome yeah and you know how you kill them like afterwards you have to take them off and you put them into like a little cup full of hydrogen peroxide (gasps) oh wait that's sad though i mean i guess because they're full of someone's blood they become a biohazard uh yeah but okay so they are definitely a biohazard okay so let's say hypothetically a leech a leech that is consumed blood what like after some time does it like digest the blood like does like I don't know. I honestly, I honestly, I honestly don't know exactly um, much about leech, which is why I should do a, a whole episode on this because I don't know too much about leech physiology. Yeah. Um, I, and I have another question. Yeah. Is this something? Can one opt out of a leech therapy? For example, if you're a vegan, you're allowed to refuse anything. I was. I would imagine a vegan would not be happy about being treated with something that was then going to be killed. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, right? Because, JB, you said your friend actually does try, like, to not buy product with Carmine. Yeah. In it. So it's not. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I won't ask too many more questions if you want to do an episode on this. I'm no, just, I'm no. Just yeah, maybe it. we should. We should. But um, but yeah, it's it's very fascinating. And I do want to learn more about it because I don't know too much about it. Uh, but I do know like the grossest thing about it is when you put the leeches into uh, the hydrogen peroxide, they basically explode. They go. Ew. Oh, and then there's the blood go everywhere. <laughs> well, in it's in a little cup. Right. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just like to watch that, though. 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. I was I was thinking like, is there any way to get a video of that, or is that uh, not from you? Maybe we should look on YouTube. Okay. We can look on YouTube. Yeah, I would absolutely. never ask. I would never ask you to do. Yeah, that. I don't no, know if I no. could even facilitate that. We don't want you getting fired. I don't have the power. Any hooters? So yeah, that uh, that's pretty rad. And uh, oh yeah, and they've used it on botched. They've used leeches on botched before. Hmm. Like this one guy, he got his nose bit by a dog, and he got a. He got like a nose job from Dr. Nassif and they had to put a leech on the end of it like during the recovery period because like the tip of it, the tip of his nose was getting dusky, as they say. Hmm. It's looking a little bit dusky, not pink enough. So, yeah, they just put a leech on the end of his nose and he just sucked it out. And this other time they had to put it on this lady's nip because the same thing happened. She got a dusky nip. She had a dusky nip and they were like, oh, I don't want to lose this nipple. So they put a they put a, put a leech on her nippy nip. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I might not need to do that episode after all. We did. We covered so much. Anyway, <laughs> you just did the the medical leeches episode right now. Yeah. Uh, Bonus. Bonus. Wow. Okay. You guys really brought it this week for sickest thing of the week. Thanks. Um. Personally, I had a couple, but I think I'm going to go with because we can put it on the Instagram later. At work today, after I parked my car, I parked like near a stairway that I don't normally use. It was up towards the top of the garage because I was running late, as always. And so a lot of pigeons live in our parking garage. And on the upper floors mm. that get used the least, there's like, like they're like flying around and roosting. There's feathers and poop everywhere. And I'm used to that. Well, I go into this stairway and there's so much bird shit in this stairway because basically Ugh. no one ever uses it. And I w- it was it was like I had to like step around it. There was so much of it. And it's not like just fresh, just also just like there. Just you can just it has never been. I don't know when it was last cleaned. Ugh, horrible. I will point out uh, it was not my place of work that is responsible for the garage. It is the management company of the complex. So I'm not, you know, that sounds like a like there's lots of like festering grounds for disease. Yeah, I hope I didn't... Amongst all that shit. I hope I didn't contract some sort of pigeon flu. You have bird flu now. Cool. That's a pretty banging MIA song, though, so... Yeah, bird flu! <laughs> it's a good song. So, yeah, I think YouTube, YouTube would definitely beat me this week. But we all had good things. Yeah, so... Or bad things, should we say. Yeah, bad things. I got it's, good it's things It's really later. a thin line in this program. <laughs> it really is. I have a really... Like, did you really consider yours to be a bad thing that happened to you this week? No, it was really rad. Yeah, I also didn't think mine was a bad thing. It was just like, oh. Like, I had heard of medical grade leeches. I've known they've been a thing. Like, I knew about them, but I had never seen them with mine own two eyes. <laughs> mine and own. that was like... Just so exciting. Heard the sucking with thine own ears. <laughs> <laughs> it was no sucking noise. <laughs> with fava beans. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess now it's time. So do you guys have an opinion on who should go first? No. It literally doesn't matter at all. Okay. So it is up to me then to choose which one of you gets to go first. And so I... We'll choose by asking you, what is your favorite all-time TV theme song? And whichever answer I like the best is the one who gets to go first. We might have to pause the recording so I can think for a second. Okay. Okay, we're back. The deliberations are done. JB, you say first. Oh, okay. We actually were just talking about this before we started recording. We were maybe just singing about it before oh, yeah. we started recording. And honestly, 
there's song there's TV shows that I like more and songs that have more meaning to me, but as an actual song, the theme song for the Cleveland show <laughs> is is my favorite TV theme song. This is the Cleveland show. Oh my god. Okay. We just sang it okay. to each other. Like I did. really like it. I JB think it knows all the words. It's a jaunty little jingle. I yeah. enjoy it. Uh, right. I was I was gonna go in a different direction. I always really liked uh for some reason the little boxes on the hillside little boxes full of ticky tacky like from weeds even though that show got way bad yeah the first season was tight butthole and then it got way bad remember when they then like started having different artists yes. doing the song because it got so fucking old and boring yeah like jenny lewis did it yeah and like uh and, um, december december yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Art. did like that for a long time. I also the other one I was gonna say was the True Blood theme song. That oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. With you. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a really good one. It's I forgot super, about that. Oh, it's a super. I would always be like, I need to watch this this theme song. I can't skip over it. I like. Oh, so my favorite is um the theme song from BoJack Horseman. I don't know that. Oh yeah, the, like doo, 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 doo. is that the noise? It doesn't make a weird noise. No, it's like a, it's like a kind of like spacey track. And I want to say, oh gosh, okay. So when I found out who did it, I was like surprised. I want to say it was one of the Black Keys. Oh, like Dan Auerbach. Yeah, I think, but I could be really the wrong. The other guy is Patrick Carney. I could be extremely wrong, but yeah, I like the Bojack Horseman theme song. So. I am going to give it to JB because her favorite theme song is also from a cartoon. <laughs> All right. I, I love that. Okay. Then Good I'm... logic. <laughs> Gotta be logic. JB, freak me the fuck out. Okay. I would say this week loosely can be described as gross medical things. Yeah. I guess that's probably the best classification. Super general. Yeah. yeah. But they're... They're both gross. They're both sick. And I today am going to talk about one of my very favorite slash least favorite disgusting things ever, which are teratomas. Yes. Oh, I knew. Yeah. I've been itching to talk about teratomas. This one's been circling around for a while. I'm I'm happy for you. Thank you. This is definitely one that um, I think a lot of people don't know what actually what it is, because even people that I know in the medical field don't know what this is okay but you guys have heard of these oh yeah shit yeah so you perhaps have heard it called like the evil twin tumor yeah yeah i think that's what a lot of people have heard it called which is not exactly what a teratoma is that's kind of a different thing yeah a lot of people Ah. think that it's it's you ate your twin like there are parasitic twins that is a thing that exists that isn't what a teratoma is. So that's a topic for another day is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I, I came across some sick stories about that. But that's sweet. Yes. Another day. Another, another day. That's, that's not what a teratoma is. Oh, I wish that's what you were talking about, Heather. Yeah, I know. If I, yeah, if we had known. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, but that sounds pretty science fiction-y. And you guys have seen pictures of them. I feel like this is one where the sickness is really in the visceral reaction to actually looking at it. And I'm not sure I can do it justice. Well, let's get into describe like in the nitty gritty what it is. So our viewers, listeners, I guess, like. All right. I'm just going to give us all an yeah. explanation about what a teratoma is. Yeah. Just without further ado. do. All right. <laughs> now, in a general sense, there are usually these shiny little balls that are inside of you or outside of you. In That's the a case. nice way of thinking. Of yeah. It. 
in varying degrees of development containing all kinds of different kinds of cells, including skin, wax, pus, bones, hair, teeth, sometimes brain cells. It, it comes from the, the Greek word that means monstrous tumor. Ugh. And it, 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 that's a pretty fitting name. Good job, Greeks. That is what it is. It's a monstrous tumor. Also, I would just like to point out that I was, of course, hitting Reddit, trying to, trying to find some Reddit uh, teratoma stories. And I came across the fact that there is a fetish group called teraphiliacs, which is people who have fetishes for monsters. Uh, okay. Not related to this, but yeah. Oh, it so just kind of came up. Not for teratomas, but for monsters. No, I was really afraid of people who had sexual fetishes for teratomas. Yeah, not- I was so afraid you were going to say that. But, you know, rule 34, it does exist, I'm That's, sure. Uh, but no, it's just people who, like, have fetishes about monsters. Mm. Oh, all like, right. Like Frankenstein or something. <gasps> oh. <laughs> anyway, but that's fine. Whatever whatever makes you happy. All right. So how do you get a teratoma? What, what happens? So they arise in the body's germ cells in the very beginning stages of human development, sometimes before the mother even knows that she's pregnant. Uh, germ cells are pluripotent cells. Uh, those are cells that are capable of turning into any other type of cell. And in this case, uh, these are the cells that eventually come to be egg cells, sperm cells, uh, tailbone cells, and mediastinium. Mediastinum. Thank you. That's basically, so these are basically like, they're, they're like stem cells. Yes, which is one of the things that you can get from studying teratomas is it's another way of studying stem cell research. Oh, yeah. So there is medical you know, useful knowledge you can get from studying them. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about them being nasty. Though. That was, but by the way, what you're talking about is the freakiest thing that I, that I learned about teratomas recently is that they like, they're just in you. Mm-hmm. Like they can, they're just these cells, just like any other cells in your body that can just develop and turn into a teratoma at any time, mm-hmm. which is, you know, horrifying. Yeah. It could happen to you. They don't usually happen after a certain age. They're usually formed by a certain age. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into that. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, so basically, when a teratoma forms, these cells just kind of fold up and fail to become the cells they were supposed to become. And then they become these these monster globs. They get all... So they uh, they have a failure to launch is what yes. you're telling me. <laughs> so they're like, I'm supposed to be a sperm. I don't want to be a sperm. So I'm going to become a big pussy ball of teeth instead yeah so it's like it's almost like it is kind of like a tumor like they're cells out of control that are growing out of control that also contain like like teeth and hair yeah yeah uh i don't know if i'm gonna have to put pictures of this on the insta it's really nasty definitely google teratoma guys it's it's real gross. Put you know put the war put the warning slide up yeah, first more, at 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 your own risk. Maybe I can send you some nice like cartoony looking teratomas. Yeah, <laughs> for the for the nice people. All right, now there are three main types and two kind of major classifications of teratomas. There are do 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 do. Uh, you're gonna have to help me up on this. Uh, sacrococcal. So I have to see the word uh, testicular and ovarian teratomas, and they can either be mature or immature, meaning they're either benign or cancerous. Is it like sacral? Cox? Yes. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it, it, it's on your tailbone. Yeah. 
I'm going to say SCT. That's the the medical abbreviation for it. Cool. I can pronounce that. (laughs) Uh, So the SCT occurs at the tailbone. And these are, oh, and they're so fucking gross looking. And I'm sure the picture that I saw was probably the most extreme version the internet has to offer, which is usually what happens when you look at medical things. But it's this little baby that's coming out and had this huge, like, bulbous, red-ass tumor just hanging off of his ass. Oh, what? And it's just like... I don't... Oh, I, just so poor gross. baby! Yeah, it was like the half the size of the baby. Ah, that big? Shit. Like I'm saying, this is probably the most extreme... Yeah. Once. Oh my God. And these these kinds of growths are almost exclusively found in newborns. Okay. They're almost always found by 18 months of age and usually and sometimes they're even found in utero. I think I found it. Does it look like he's giving birth to like like a butterfly chrysalis, like a giant one? Yeah. Okay. Oh god. Holy shit, this poor, poor child. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So um I guess if they discover them, they can remove them, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times, you know, the hormone levels will be changed and they can be discovered in utero. So they kind of know they're going to have to perform the surgery after the baby's born. So the baby is born at a hospital that specializes in this sort of surgery. But yeah, they give them surgery. Uh, almost, They're almost always benign. They're not normally cancerous. But so I mean, they, I guess that's the one silver lining, right? Yeah, they're Ugh. they're normally benign. I mean, it is a baby that has to have surgery, so that sucks. Yeah, and they do have a pretty high chance of regrowing within three years, so they have to kind of constantly monitor them to make Ugh. sure that their tumor isn't growing back. They're usually fine. They're usually they're usually okay. Mom, my red butt's back. Yeah, the big uh, red butt. Gotta go get the re- <laughs> big red butt taken off again. <laughs> But they're they're rare, but they're not insanely rare. It's one out of between twenty to forty thousand births, depending on where you get your statistics. Oh wow, that's way more common than yeah. I thought. Well, I hear wow. that like some of them they're they're like benign and they're small, so they don't even like really do anything. Like sometimes they're just there and you don't even know they're there until like you find out something later, or they go in to do surgery on something else and then they find a yeah. A big thing and yeah. then you're like, oh this was there yeah like i know it's something that like these scary little things can be dwelling inside you like i've definitely read horror stories about you know because they wouldn't get so big because they start out with they're just like a small little clump of cells but then they eventually like they keep growing dark growing yeah and there's like little toes in there and you know teeth and eyeballs and shit and then uh next thing you know it's the size of a softball or bigger or bigger yeah and then you have to get it taken out and then when you get it taken out it looks like uh oh nightmares it looks like the nightmares yeah (laughs) oh my god it looks like our real monsters yeah it's it oh god i don't even know how to describe it It, yeah our real monsters (laughs) thank you for uh understanding my pop culture reference from 30 years ago i love that show i was such a nickelodeon kid (laughs) just loved nickelodeon i watched a lot of tv as a kid all right. Same. Okay. Carry on, JB. Please. I need to talk about more tumors. The next one is testicular teratomas, which really just bounces off the tongue. Yeah. It, it does, actually. Testicular teratomas. There's so many T's. These are usually found whenever there's kind of a trauma to the balls and they're feeling around for the source of pain. You're like, oh, oh, there's a lump. 
Do you guys remember when Tom Green got cancer and he made that song? Uh, squeeze your balls. Hey, kids, hey, your balls. feel your balls so you don't get cancer. I don't actually. Oh, it was a good song. Huh. It wasn't very good. No, it's a good song. <laughs> now, teratomas account for about 40% of all uh, testicular cancers. Oh, I really? didn't know that. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Most testicular can well, not most, but like a great, a, a lot very of high them. percentage of them. Yeah. Wow. So these teratomas do tend to be malignant. Yes. These ones tend to be malignant and they tend to grow quickly in wow. like spring. Okay. Uh, biting your balls. Tell me more. They are usually discovered in men's young adulthood between 20 and 30. If they have them younger than that, those are normally benign. But the ones that are found once you're after puberty are usually cancerous. Um, They also have a very good prognosis rate. They are cancerous, but with chemo and ball removal. Actually, not chemo. Sorry. They actually said chemo is not very effective for treating this. But with Radiation? Just cutting off the ball. Oh, just surgery. Yeah, with removing the ball, survival rates are very good, like 90%. You don't need your balls. Yeah. You, you pass puberty, you don't need your balls. I mean, unless you want to make some babies. <laughs> well, you'll, you don't need to do that. Maybe you just need one ball. You probably don't need I both mean, balls. I mean, if we learned anything from watching Sex in the City is that you absolutely can procreate with one ball, per Steve and Miranda. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, and she had like a lazy ovary, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. I wonder that if... That was a miracle, I baby. If, I wonder if Steve's... Cancer was a teratoma. They never really went into that. They never did. They never did. Hmm. Hmm. Darren Starry failed. I have more questions. <sighs> and the final uh, common type is ovarian teratomas. And these are probably the ones we are all the most familiar with. Yes, this is definitely the first ones I've ever Are these heard like of. the really like fucked up ones? These are the ones that the big, huge masses that are growing on ovaries. And yeah. people think that it's it's like their twin. Yes. Yeah, because it's because because it's on your ovary, it has genetic material in there and it's like trying to like. But they all do. Like, I mean, the ones in the balls like have the weird shit in them, too. They just don't tend to get as big teeth in your balls, teeth in your balls, like the things on the baby's butts. Like they probably just haven't developed anything because they're babies. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's nuts. That's bananas. On, On the plus side, these are also normally benign. So these they're not normally cancerous. They are fucking nasty and they can be very painful when they get to a certain size. They can cause uh, torsion in the ovaries. Yeah. That's when a lot of women actually get them discovered is they have like, you know, horrible abdominal pain or pelvic pain. And they go to the doctor and they find out they have a giant tumor in them. Cut them out. Yeah. So they go in and they snip, snip them. Well, not they zip, zip them with lasers. <laughs> zip, zip. Remove them laparoscopically. Oh, nice. Would you want to keep your teratoma? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. I guarantee you they don't let you. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably, probably need to study it. Yeah, it's probably biohazardous waste. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way. I was surprised to find that 20% of any kind of abnormal growth in ovaries are teratomas. Mm. And you hear how common ovarian cysts are. Okay. The ter- what I'm taking away from this is that teratomas way 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 more common than i thought like we yeah. may, we may all have teratomas we could have teratomas right now yep. i don't think i do it could manifest itself at any time oh my body but what is it planning 
Ugh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's planning to attack you eventually. Uh, kind of. My body's like, fuck you. You didn't want to have a baby, so I'm going to grow a monster instead. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. You're it's being like, punished. It's like, I'm going to make a baby one way or the other, Justine. <laughs> fuck you. It might be a hideous chud baby, but it's a baby. <laughs> gonna eat you from the inside yeah, god <laughs> his name is seymour uh i feel like i feel like this is a ripe topic for a a horror movie right trademark like, trademark the- let's do it let's yeah. write it nobody okay. else you're not allowed to you can't, you can't. Do it. it's ours we none already- of our 40 listeners you are not allowed to steal this horror movie intellectual from us. property it's ours <laughs> teratoma the movie <laughs> 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 but all fun and games aside, guys, there can be bad things that happen too besides having a monster grow inside of you. Like? Well, sometimes you have to have your ovary removed. Oh, that's sad. And in 25% of cases, if you have a teratoma on one ovary, you probably have a teratoma on the other ovary. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very symmetrical. Even if they are cancerous, once again, as with the testicular ones, between surgery and chemo, survival rates are again very good. So the monster inside of you is not going to kill you, probably. So that's a plus. Sure. Yeah. In some bad cases, what I found is because there are brain cells in these tumors that your uh, immune system can recognize these tumors as an, in- as an invader and they want to fight it. So your immune system starts to attack the brain cells that are in the tumor, but then they also start to attack the brain cells in your fucking actual brain. <gasps> oh no. And so people can start having psychological issues, neurological issues, headaches, confusion, uh hallucinations. Yeah. Like it, it can, can be fuck you up. it can be really bad. It can lead to in, uh, encephalopathy. Yes. You were getting there? Yeah, that was literally my next phrase. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Well, that was the showstopper. But you pronounce it better than me, so I'm glad you said it. Yeah, well, tell me what it is. What's ence- encephalopathy? Uh, you tell me what it is, because I just wrote down the symptom. Oh, it's it's like swelling in the brain. Like, you're, like lots of swelling. I thought it was the, the holes in the brain, so I'm glad I didn't say what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your brain gets so swollen, it's pressing on the inside of your skull, and it, your brain can't function in that way. It cannot, and then you just go into a coma at that point. Ooh, okay. I don't, so, I don't like this side effect. No, that's oh. that's a bad one. But pretty yeah. rare, I would think. That's it's very rare. That doesn't normally happen. And there is one final very rare type of teratoma. Only about one out of every five hundred thousand people have this, and it's called a uh, fetus in fetu. Okay, yeah, that's the fucked up fetus one. Fetus in fetu. Fetus uh, in fetu. Tell me about it. I love whenever like there's fetus within a fetus. If you cannot uh, figure out that Latin. It's like this is like a Russian doll fetus. Like yeah, yeah. It's it's like I said, it's very rare. Fetus in vitro. But it basically looks like a malformed fetus. And so there's two theories. One is that it's just a very developed dermoid cyst, which is what the ovarian teratomas are called, or that is the remains of a twin that was unable to develop in the womb, whether because it didn't have a placenta or an amniotic sac or some other reason. And then the other. Uh, baby absorbs it yeah like dwight Schrute. I, I ate my twin in the womb isn't that what he said something like that i think there was a, a again i'm constantly talking about botched because i love that show but there was a woman on botched too like she had had a teratoma and 
she, I guess a doctor back in the day had told her that this was like, she, or maybe she had just misunderstood that this was like, she thought this was her twin, that this teratoma was her twin. And she like basically went her entire life being super bummed and being like, I would look around me and see other people that had twins. I'm like, oh, I thought I had a twin. I was going to have a twin. And then, you know, I had to get my twin surgically removed from me. I like, I like ate my twin or whatever, but that really wasn't what happened. It was a teratoma. And so the doctors had to set her straight and be like, I'm sorry, you've been grieving this lost twin your whole life but it wasn't ever a lost twin yeah because those are two very different things like it's an really ab- sad an absorbed twin and a teratoma aren't the same thing yeah no like, it was right. a teratoma yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean the the teratoma is different from an absorbed twin because it doesn't have a brain structure it does have cells and they have they're pretty far developed they have a spinal column they have like little limb buds but they're not a developed person right right in 2003, a 25-year-old woman uh, who was a virgin, they kept mentioning that she was a virgin in all of the articles, which Ugh. I thought was weird. <laughs> I but bet. maybe it's to like, make sure you didn't think that it was a pregnancy or something. Yes, that, that was my thought, yeah. But Don't like, worry, guys, we checked. I was like, why do they keep saying she's a virgin? And then like, I was like, oh, you dummy. It's because I'll probably just say it was a pregnancy. Yeah. So she was a virgin, and uh, she was having surgery for an ovarian tumor, and it turned out to be a fully formed teratoma. <gasps> And here, I will paint a picture with my words. <laughs> Let me describe this teratoma. Covered in hair with spina bifida oh. and undivided brain. Only, only one smooth brain. Oh. A single oval eye, for oh. lack of a better word, an, in the center of its forehead. An oval eye. Yes. So it's a cyclops. Yes. Oh, Let- my God. This is like I'm, I'm already picturing Voldemort like at the end. You know, <laughs> with thick eyelashes, eyelashes on yes. this one Cyclops eye. Yeah. Thick eyelashes on the Cyclops eye. Some good genetics right there. <laughs> a jaw with uh, protruding teeth <gasps> and even a little penis between <gasps> the legs. A little pipi. That's oh. about the closest I could find to an evil twin as far as teratomas were concerned. Oh my god. Oh my god, she grew. Oh my god. Yeah, she grew a little person inside of her. She had a little monster baby. Yeah. She literally had the chud baby. What did oh my god, was she so disturbed? I wonder. Had to be. Uh they said that she was fine. (laughs) She's good now. Yeah. She got her cyst taken out and she she felt good afterwards. I'm so glad. They'd probably kept that to like put in the Mutter Museum probably study would, i later. couldn't find a picture of it i really wanted to find a picture of it yeah i probably have to go on a pay site to see that yeah maybe there isn't one that would I, be a shame yeah yeah i'm sure well i'm sure yeah if there are photos i'm sure it's like like in a journal yeah or something so like us looky lose can't we know people know? in academia we've got to see if they can get into that for yeah us. somebody somebody's got a journal Let's use our connections <laughs> we know so many phds <sighs> Do you have more teratoma um, stories for us? I ha- I just have I have one more little teratoma story. Okay, it's, good. It's actually another Japanese woman. Oh, I I hope it's the one I just found. So I'm not gonna lie. I've been googling while you've been talking because I wanted to look at the teratomas. Yeah, and I, and I found. So I hope it's the one I just found because it's really fucked up. Okay, all right, yay. Well, this one she was going to have an appendectomy. So she's in there getting her little appendectomy and they discovered a cyst revealing a skull with a little brain inside of it. 
This is the one. Uh, maybe you can tell me what, what you found here. Oh, no, no. I want you to tell me. I, I only well, just found it. I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay, okay. But <laughs> So basically, they found the brain in there. And I had discussed previously about uh, how the body can attack the brain cells that are in, in there and then in your head. And seems like she was fine. But it was pretty... Fr- I saw the picture of it. It's really freaky. There are big chunks of bone in it, too. Oh, God. It's, it's gross. I like how you describe the brain as smooth. Do you remember that? I think you posted a meme about that I recently. Did. I uh, did. I described myself as smooth brain. <laughs> I loved it so much. It was like, this is my brain, smooth, no wrinkles. This is yours. Too wrinkly, messy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really gross. But this girl was also fine. Okay, so maybe this was a different one. So this was another Japanese girl. And maybe it's the same one, but... Maybe you just found a more informative article. Well, just according to this, it's like exactly what you just said, that there is like a brain Mm -hmm. and bones. But this article points out a brain so fully formed, it had functioning neurons. That's nuts. Oh, wow. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. It must be a different article. And it might be the same person, though. That meant that that thing felt pain. What? the fuck that thing felt pain kill it with fire like at what point does that thing was that thing alive and then at what point is that like a a, a, you know like a a, you've reproduced something today on your podcast playing god with justine (laughs) i don't know man when is a tumor a person (laughs) oh my it's so horrifying let's answer these big questions (laughs) we've become a philosophy podcast yeah cool beans uh, uh, okay. Uh, is that it? That's, that's mostly all I got. Yeah, I think I think I mean, the re- the viewers the the readership should uh, the listeners the listeners should. Uh, that's what you do with the podcast. You listen to it. The readership should write into us about what they think. Do, do you guys think? Do you, do our listeners think that teratomas are people? Yes, that's a that's a pressing question. We'll take it to social media. Let's, you, let's take it to social media. So you weren't saying yes, teratomas are people. Oh, no, no, they're tumors. Yeah, I don't think that they're people. It's a tumor. Yeah, I don't think they're people either. But I just think that some of these are getting to the point where they're like, it's like something else. You kill it. And it's like, eh. yeah, eh. what if there was one that was so <laughs> developed it could like make a sound? I feel pain. Ah. Don't kill me. <laughs> Especially yeah, if it's in there for like 20 years, like it's. So it's- don't take me out of my home. It's warm in here. I'm just a floating brain. I'm so smooth. What if, okay, so it had functioning neurons. What if, what if the brain got so developed that it could like see out of its eye? Ugh. Uh, what if the eye could move and focus on you? This is all for guys. The, stop our, giving away our movie our plot. Movie is gonna be yeah. This movie's gonna be dope. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we're gonna have to save this. Uh, I can't wait. Save this for the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Okay. Awesome job. Jamie. Oh my god! Thank you so much. It was so good. Um, for you guys, grossed out. It's always gonna be a good one. Yes. And so teratomas are like probably one of the first gross things that I remember getting really fascinated with. Uh, it was like that and like decapitation. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I knew a lot about teratomas, but I definitely feel like I learned new stuff today and was newly grossed out by things I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Fucking gross to look at, man, though. Yeah. Like, they turn your stomach. Just It's Fangoria math. shit. Ugh. Just like even just, just thinking about it. It's just like, 
ugh. It's just like you shiver. It's just, it's like, uh, it just, it seems wrong. Like the ones that grossed me out were the ones where they, I guess, had dissected them to where they were no longer the shiny balls, where they were like the long slabs of tumor flesh. Ugh. And you're, oh. Mm-mm. I Ugh. mean, the the ones that freak me out are the ones that look like they have faces. Yeah. Like yeah. when it's like not just like teeth randomly growing out of a tumor, but it looks looks like the teeth are going out of a fucking mouth. Yeah. Or there's like a bit of a nose. Yeah. Sometimes there's a foot. Yeah. It's really the hair that gets me. I saw some that had some really thick hair, like Ugh. like people yeah. hair. People hair. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yes. Anyway. OK. Anyway. Wow. I know I'm probably gonna be thinking about teratomas for days now. Sweet. Heather. So what I have to talk to you about today is still involving the brain a little bit. We were talking about the brain some. This involves the brain. You were right. This is a tenuous connection. Yeah. Uh, okay. Very I, tenuous. I'll, I'll allow it. So this where I'm going to talk about lobotomies. Ah, yes. Yeah. I've, I've been really wanting to talk about these two because oh. I like them. Okay. I'm, so I'm ready. Lobotomies, which you may or may not know, it what it what it is is it's a psychosurgery that is something that was performed several decades ago over like more than almost a century. Let me see, back in the the forties, the thirties and the forties. So, so not, not a quite century, a century, but like okay. seventy five years ago is when these things started happening in the thirties and the forties. A lobotomy or a Leucotomy, leucotomy, L-E-U-C-O-T-O-M-Y, not saying that right, sorry, comes from the Greek lobos, which means lobe, and tomi, or tome, which means cut or to slice. And it is a surgery that's intended to ease the symptoms of mental disorders. And basically what it is, it's it's a surgery that involves um, essentially scrambling some of your brains is what it, it really is. You're you're causing brain damage. This is purposeful brain damage is ooh, what this is. Oh, oh. In a nutshell. <gasps> so it was intended to ease, even though it was intended to me ease the symptoms of like people that were very suicidal. This was mostly meant for people that were considered so mentally ill that there was no hope whatsoever. But unfortunately, it left people severely brain damaged instead of, you know, really easing their symptoms many of the times. Some people did become like more manageable, but that really means it kind of just made it easier for other people to take care of them. It didn't necessarily mean that it made life better for the person. Right, right. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of times it made things a lot worse for the person. So um, no surprise, surprise that the majority of the people that got these lobotomies were women because this goes back to, you know, Women are hysterical. What are you going to do to them? You know, they're crazy. That's what happened to us back in the day. It still kind of can happen to us uh, nowadays. So the procedure, like I said, was meant as a last resort. Obviously, nowadays it's considered barbaric. So it was invented by this guy whose name is Antonio Iguez Moniz who was a Portuguese neurologist. He was controversially awarded the Nobel Prize in 1949 for his discovery of fuck this. That. What the fuck? In 1949? I know. My dad was already born. Oh, yeah, there's people and alive. The, and both of my uncles. There's people alive that have had lobotomies <gasps> that are still alive. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, people got them as children. Oh, I'll get into it. Just, just, you, just you wait, baby birds. I'll feed you. Just you wait. Sorry. Um, no, you <laughs> So um, this guy, 
So obviously nowadays, yes, that little tidbit about the Nobel Prize, that's that's controversial now. We don't know if we should have gave that to him. We definitely should not have. So like I said, it involves severing, severing the neurological connections in the brain, causing brain damage, specifically in the prefrontal cortex slash the frontal lobe of the brain. So the frontal lobe is responsible for, among many things, skeletal movement, speech control, expression of emotions. It integrates task-based memory. Memories are associated with emotions, and those are interpreted by your brain cells and how you properly react to things. It Like, basically, based on your old experiences, your brain's like, hey, don't play this situation like you did before, remember? That was bad. This is what's socially acceptable. All that's gone. You scramble some of that and you don't have social inhibitions anymore. Your brain doesn't have that like social memory anymore. So you basically turn into somebody that sometimes doesn't have morals or does, isn't able to comprehend why things are good or bad. So the doctor, though, he had something, you know, where he was thinking, oh, maybe we can change this person's personality, which is like, that's, I don't know, I guess that's kind of what like psycho, psychoactive medications do to a certain st- extent in some ways they can. So you're changing the personality, but yeah, not in the best way. So when you sever these, conne- these connections, your personality might change, but also seizures can happen. These are like really bad side effects that happen. Seizures. People would become incontinent, not be able to hold any of their bowels. They just shit themselves. There would be a large appetite increase. So people would gain tons and tons of weight in a small amount of time. They would have very low initiative and, again, uh, decrease inhibition. So they would be very lazy and also sometimes, you know, do things like break the law. They also had decreased cognition, which can cause detachment from society. So basically, you're just not there is a lot of people that just kind of turn into like vegetables. So the first lobotomies happened in Europe. This is where this Portuguese neurologist was doing his shit in 1935. In November 12th, in Santa Maria Hospital in Lisbon, he did his first procedures. He didn't actually do them himself because apparently he was riddled with gout and he had his assistant do it. So like here you do your dirty do my dirty work whatever so in this first procedure they went through the side of the skull they basically drilled a hole into the side of the skull and inject ethanol into the brain to destroy the fibers in there and they did that to a few people because it kind of worked actually it worked a little bit i guess it got a desired result or so they said you know obviously like these doctors are you know probably writing like a lot of these accounts are like oh he said he got good results so you're like all right i believe that sure so not exactly like yeah peer-reviewed research definitely not so he said he got good results but who the fuck knows what he considered good results um so he did a, a few more people with this alcohol method and then they decided they found they did it on this one guy and they had to inject him like five times and it wasn't working because like I guess he had very strong brains. I don't know. And <laughs> very strong brains. Who brain, knows? His brain was alcoholic and had a t- high tolerance. I mean, yeah. You know. And then they said, well, fuck it. We're just going to like, you know, put it like just 
a Mash little around. knife in there and just scramble it all on up. So they use this thing called a leucotomy, which was an 11 centimeter can- cannula with a wire loop that would go inside. And I guess they would drill the hole and then put the cannula in there and then like put the loop in and just like scramble it around a few times. That That's... I, what? It's, it's like I, this little metal loop. They'd just be like... Nye, nye, nye. Like you're making eggs? Yes, that's, like into your brain matter. Like literally just... Nye, nye, nye. How How did... I just... The, yeah, I, I I clearly am at a loss for words that medical professionals came to the conclusion that that was a, a might as well mash this brain up a little. Right, that, I'm going to use the term medical professional very loosely, but well, he at was the time, a neuro- neurosurgeon at the time. They were medical professionals. Yeah, clearly, like standards and ethics have, have changed over time, but they would conclude, yes, this this thing that I'm doing, like is somehow going to impress like how that it it seems it does it seems barbaric it seems sadistic yeah well it was basically like all these last resort cases these people that were so mentally ill and suicidal and they probably spend a lot of the time you know screaming and being very difficult to care for that people were like what is our last resort and then this guy invented this technique and they saw it turn some of these patients into fucking zombies and they're like oh that's cool now you know i may have to just clean up her incontinence but at least she's not screaming at me and batting me over the face she's just kind of zombified so that's what they considered good results in these cases and that's why they kept doing them it just i mean when did the do no harm thing mm-hmm. come about? Yeah, when, I know. When really, when, were they already like pledging to that? Do no harm's been around for forever. That's Hippocratic Oath, baby. That's ancient Greek. That's ancient okay. Greece. Yeah, so that's like, oh. Yeah, that's been around for forever. Oh. So um, <laughs> they thought they were doing good. So there's this. They so, were doing good for themselves to make their jobs easier. They weren't. Just, do, they weren't. They weren't doing good for the person. Just you wait. I got more. Oh, all right. We we haven't even hit America. Just you wait. So uh, all right, Hamilton. Jesus, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> so the American lobotomy. It was mastered by this doctor called Walter Friedman. He was basically like the lobotomy god of America. He was half doctor, half showman. Like, he would literally took this shit on the road. What? Yes. So, Freeman met uh, the Portuguese neurosurgeon Moniz at the Second International Congress of Neurology in 1935, which held, was held in London of that year. He was just so happenstance turned out to be in the booth next to him. And he just, like, fucking fanboyed all over him. And he was, like, sort of interest in, interested in lobotomies at the time. But, like, since he ended up, like, talking to this guy at this event, he was like, oh, well, that's real cool. Like, and they just, like, kind of bonded. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do these lobotomies. And so he uh, gets together with his friend uh, James W. Watts. And they took his, like, Moniz's idea and just ran with it. And they formed, uh, they developed what was called the Freeman Watts prefrontal lobotomy. So... In this procedure, they would anesthetize you uh, and then they would drill a hole into the side of your skull, like fucking right next to your temple. And then just like Moniz did, they would shove a hook in there and scramble, you know, some of your brains like they would make several 
one centimeter like round lesions into your brains. And so this procedure worked, but again, it required anesthesia and trained neurosurgeons. So Freeman's like, literally, there's got to be a better way. Like, let's fucking figure out. There's got to be a better way. So he developed the transorbital lobotomy. And this was actually originally invented by this guy called, this Italian guy called Amaro Fiamberti. But uh, Freeman kind of put his own spin on it. And it involves accessing the frontal lobe through the eye socket. <gasps> no, 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 no. He figured there's already no. a hole there. Fuck that. There's a hole there. So no shut anesthesia. Yeah, shut it fucking down. It's terrible. So a Freeman, again, seeing this European dude, seeing a European guy do something, he's thinking, I can do one better. So... He wanted to make these lobotomies a simple outpatient doctor's office procedure. You know, he like you're getting warts removed or some shit. You know, he literally got an ice pick from his freezer and practice on grapefruits and then cadavers like an actual ice pick. And the device that they used is hardly any different from a very thin ice pick. It's a little metal tool that he invented himself specifically for this. So he did this procedure on the very first human in 1946. So, yes, the year after World War II ended. This is this is like my dad was born in 1945. Like, you know, this is modern history, babies. At least one and possibly both of my uncles were born by then. Yeah. Not totally sure yeah so he what he would do sometimes would be to sedate them by electroshock <laughs> and he was one of the first people to like <laughs> to, to to be like oh let's just try that why not you know so the method is you lift up the upper eyelid and then the point of this tool it's called an or orbitoclast by the way this tour, you know, ice pick, as you will, is placed under the eyelid against the top of the eye socket. Okay. I, my eyes, I, I'm uncontrollably cringing right now and like <laughs> squinting my eyes really hard. Yes, I yes, look yes. ridiculous. Okay, keep going. Uh, so then the ice pick is then hammered with a mallet mm, mm, through the mm, bone mm, mm. into the frontal lobe about five centimeters, uh, which is about two inches in. Uh, the ice pick is then pivoted 40 degrees and Ugh. hammered another what? two centimeters oh, no. in. Pivoted 28 degrees either side, cutting outwards and inwards. Uh, the cuts are all designed to transect the white fibrous material connecting the cortical tissue of the frontal lobe and the thalamus. So, yeah, literally putting this ice pick in and being like back and forth, just like wiggling it around. They're, they're, they like... How to, oh, yes, the 40 degree angle. Like, like the, that's not precise at all. They don't know what they, they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. They, they just were scrambling brains. They didn't know specifically which specific brains they were scrambling. They just came up with more science words for it. Yeah. Right. And okay. And so when you said like their, their goal was to like sever this like what fibrous, whatever, right? Yeah. Why, why that? Because they're uh, severing the connections between like the frontal lobe and like the rest of the brain. So they're basically that's that alters the um, the communication and that can that changes the things this if the frontal lobe can't process things and send that information back to the rest of the brain and then, then the thalamus and then that's lacks it's not going to be there the connection is severed it's gone that that just seems really extreme for what they're trying to accomplish with 
Yeah. Like, is this any more effective than just the brain scrambling? Mm, no, the, the, the reason it's the same exact thing. It's just he wanted a way to do it uh, without having to hire a neur- neurosurgeon and do anesthesia. And it was like, just like, there's already a hole there. Put it through your eye. Poke, poke, poke. Ugh. Yeah. Like, Fuck. it was just like, and so, um, incidentally, his best buddy, Watts, left him in 1947 because he did not agree with this scenario. Oh. Good for Watts. Yeah. He thought that this was barbaric and fucked up. So, there was widespread knowledge of these bad side effects that, like, lobot- the lobotomies could terribly go wrong. People knew that it might help you and it might become be more mild, but they also knew that really bad things could happen. So again, I keep hearing it home, but it was just mostly for lost causes, but it was also given to people that probably didn't actually fucking need it. The treatment was popular because of lack of other options. Basically at that time, there were no brain drugs back then. You know, they had no Celexa, they had no Pro- Prozac. You know, there was no Paxil. There was nothing for us, nothing whatsoever. So there's just people suffering from terrible mental disorders. And this is one person that's actually willing to, a doctor is willing to study it and try something new. And people are clamoring for anything. They're willing to try anything at this point. So that's, that's what fucking happened. It was true, too drastic of a result in many times. Like the personality of these people would change so much in their would basically be zombified. Freeman himself called the zombie state a, quote, surgically induced childhood. The lobotomy left the patients in an infantile personality, which they basically kind of like needed to be shaped again. Uh, He described a 29-year-old woman post-lobotomy as smiling, lazy, and a satisfactory patient with the personality of an oyster. Great. Poor lady. That sounds... Awesome. They said cool. the yeah, she couldn't remember his name, even though like he told it to her every single day. And uh she would always be stand around trying to pour coffee from an empty pot forever, like endlessly. Mm. Um could she still talk? Uh not much, no, if any. The very first woman he did it on was violently suicidal beforehand, but afterwards she became a zombie, and according her to her daughter, that was a big improvement. So, again, there's this ethical issue of, like, are you just making this person um, more easy to care for? But at the same time, you are kind of saving this woman's life because she was committing suicide. But But at what cost? At what cost? You're scrambling her brains and changing her personality. So the prevalence of this procedure in the U.S., around 40,000 people were lobotomized. In the U.K., about 17,000. In uh, Scandinavia, so like Denmark, Norway, Sweden, put together uh, 9,300. Other countries, it was done in Japan, the Soviet Union, Germany. I just couldn't believe that it was widespread this far. That it just happened. It was just, it spread so fast, like only within a couple decades. It was like hearing, like, the last lobotomy was done in France in the 1980s. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. We were alive? Yeah. It mostly ceased by the 70s. But like from the 1940s to the 1970s, people got lobotomized. (gasps) What the fuck? Wait, when in in the 1980s? I don't know the actual year. So famous lobotomies of people that you may or may not have heard of. Rosemary Kennedy is the most probably the most famous person to have received a lobotomy. That's I think the only one I know. Yeah. She was a sister to uh, JFK. 
and uh, he was she was considered Freeman's most famous failure. She was a, a patient of the uh, Walter Freeman. Uh, she was, from what I read, you know, I, I'm she seemed like she was just like a like rebellious teenager, and she probably had a really hard time with that crazy fucking family, you know. And they, you know, thought that she was a hard time, probably just because, you know, she was maybe a free spirit and she was lobotomized and it turned her into a fucking vegetable. And she lived in a nursing home until she died. Well, not really nursing home, but, you know, she lived under care until she died at the age of 86. So, like, from a teenager until 86, she's just like this vegetable woman. They stole her life, stole her whole life from her. Yeah. 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 It's really sad. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee Williams, the famous playwright, his older sister was lobotomized and it left her incapacitated for life. And he used that as inspiration for some of his writings. Uh, There's a gentleman, Howard Dully, who's still alive. He was lobotomized as a child, as a 12 year old, and he was never told about it until later on in life. Wait, what? Yeah, he wrote a memoir about it. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, another very, very famous cage is one that they write about in all the medical books. It's Phineas Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage was a famous case of a guy who got accidentally lobotomized. A railroad spike uh, went through his frontal lobe and he lost all inhibition, all social graces. He turned into like this drunk, you know, gambling, fucking around, uh, fighting, swearing. He ended up dying young of misadventure, you know, just had a really bad life after that. But he was like a medical case study because they were like, Phineas lived. But he ain't right anymore. Like, he's not the same. Yeah. So in 2011, a Yale neurosurgeon examined Ava Perone. You know, Ava Perona, who's the uh, was the yeah. famous first lady of Argentina. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah. The truth is, I never left you. Post posthumous x-rays. He examined these x-rays of her posthumously and um, concluded that she had had a lobotomy within the last months of her life. Oh, oh. no. Yeah. In secret. Oh, yeah. So it thankfully is not done anymore. It's pretty fucking barbaric. Can you just imagine somebody just like, I'm going to put an ice pick in your eye and hammer it into your brain? Like, no, no, God. no, I cannot. So Damn. I found the answer to when in the 80s. Oh, oh good. So good. here's the thing. I don't read French, <laughs> but uh, I can understand enough of it. It sounds Justine, like. Wait, <laughs> sorry. I just want to say you're what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it looks like between 1980 and 1986, 32 lobotomies were performed on 30 patients mm. in France. Yeah. So. Because sometimes they did it in both eyes. Right, if you're right. wondering about that, that no, I, number difference. Yeah, I figure I figure just like one person, a couple of people had like, yeah, more in than fact, one. Freeman was famous. Like, again, he was a showman. Like he would he would do this in front of crowds, lobotomies in front of crowds sometimes and show it off. And he did one where he did like he put two ice picks, you know, at the same time, hammered them both in the person's eyes at the same time. Jesus. Well, but now we can confirm that the three of us were, in fact, alive. Yeah. When the last lobotomies were performed. Wow. In the war. That's fucked up. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I still consider myself quite young. Well, eh, maybe it's not accurate. <laughs> oh, maybe it's not accurate. 
it. I mean, I, I just, to me, lobotomies are from a very like long ago time. And that's just like yeah. wild to me that they were still being done when we were alive. Right. It is not in long, long ago. It's like the last person in, in um, France was guillotined the same year that Return of the Jedi came out. Really? Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's like one of those facts. What is up with France again? They're so medieval, man. Medieval. Damn. Don't... I kind of like the guillotine as a, I mean, I don't believe in a death penalty, but I like that as a death penalty. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. It's, it's instant. Quick. Yeah, it's quick. It's so efficient. My quick, God. foolproof. Like, like the electric chair is fucking barbaric. Oh yeah, we and we can do a whole one. Yeah, about that's that. Although, that's a whole different thing. Last podcast on the left did a good electric chair episode, but we can definitely do that too. I mean, all forms of execution are barbaric. Yeah, get rid of the death penalty and torture. Torture is also barbaric. We could definitely do one on torture and waterboarding. That's fucked up. Might get too dark. We did an episode on cannibalism. Oh, okay, we can't. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I googled pictures of lobotomy. So, yep. How do you feel? Not great. Not great. Whoops. Not great, man. It's mostly before and after pictures of patients, which I can see why I can see why people were clamoring for it. A lot of these people, they don't they don't look like they turn into vegetables. They look they, calm as they, Hindu they, cows. They, they, well, not even that. They look like normal, like, like in the placid. photograph. Placid. But not like placid out of it, placid. They just look like very calm, like yeah. calm, rational people. I know it's just a photograph. And then like the before is like they look fuck, like out, out of their Yeah, out of their minds. wits. Um, but yes, but one of the first pictures is also of the, you know, of an ice pick going into someone's eye. So yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not safe for work. Don't Google it. Just don't do it. Okay. Cool. Well, that's all I had. Ta-da, the end. Wow. <laughs> so. That was a good episode, man. Dude, I, so I wasn't, I don't think I was expecting to be as squicked out by the lobotomies as I thought. Um, but apparently. Yeah. I was very squicked out by it. Uh, God, yeah, this was great. You guys, thank you so much. This was just really. My just, pleasure. This just really like hit all those gross. Good you know points that i love so much oh man <laughs> i'm gonna sleep terribly tonight yeah you'll be fine well let's uh let's lighten things up let's let's kick this up a notch let's get happy uh sickest thing of the week in a good way i got one good i have been waiting basically for months to see the movie 1917 and i finally saw it and it was everything that i dreamed of and more and i'm so excited it's such a good movie. Uh, you should see it on the big screen if you can. I don't know if you like war movies or not, but it's I hate them. Visually stunning. Is it just a bunch of boom, boom, shoot, shoot, shoot. Everyone's dying. Oh, I'm sad. I'm in a war. No. Okay, because I don't like that. I don't know. Yeah, I know you guys don't like war movies, but it's so good. And I loved it in the cinematography of this world. And I'm really excited that this year I have a movie to root for in the Oscar race. Because like the last couple of years, I'm like, I don't really have a pony in this race. And this year, 1917 is getting like all the good reviews and it already run the Golden Globe and it won the Producers Guild. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel happy about being able to root for something this year. Over Little Women? Um. Yeah. Little Women isn't going to win Best Sorry. Picture. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I just, I know it won't win Best Picture. Yeah, I love, I loved it, but it, it was. And Greta Gerwig was robbed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was. She should have been nominated for director. I'm really pissed off about that. Yep. Um. Well, you know what? I I'm going to be honest. I probably won't watch 1917, but I appreciate you sharing your um excitement with it 
And so that means when it inevitably wins all the awards, I can, you know, be excited yeah. about it with you. Yeah. So I've I watched, heard that was good. I've Heather watched a lot of I've watched a lot of movies in the Oscar race coming up. I just watched Parasites. Yeah, Little Women. I watched Bombshell the other night. How is that? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Charlize Theron plays Megan Kelly. It's gonna win for um like hair and makeup. They really made her look like Char like Megan Kelly, and she like her cadence and her voice like she like drops a register down low. I'm Megan Kelly. Like I don't know, I can't do the voice, but she like she does a really good job. Now that one I would watch. It was really yeah. good. There's a lot of different like actors that kept popping. I was like, oh that guy, that guy, that guy. Oh, a lot hmm. of good talent in that. But yeah, oh god, JB. Yeah, I I know that I couldn't decide if the cat thing was a good thing or a bad thing. That, but that was that was the most noteworthy thing that happened to me this week. It's both. Yeah, it can be both. You, you're yeah. allowed to have both. Yeah. All right. Um, For me, it was probably I had a four day weekend. And instead of being productive, I spent it watching a lot of television. Yeah, you and did. So I have some I I. <laughs> this is terrible. I watched so much television. Um, So I watched all of the circle on Netflix awesome please watch it i don't watch reality shows i loved it and i also watched a show called spinning out also on netflix it's about ice skaters and it stars effie from skins so <laughs> just i i was just enamored from the like that's actually what made me watch it it was like i'd i had noticed it in my net like on my netflix and then i was like kind of like scrolling past it and i'm like kaya scotelario january jones i'm in so yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah that was basically my whole thought process totally worth it yeah so you um, watched the aaron hernandez documentary just like i did <laughs> I, I did but i don't think i liked it as, i mean i was i liked it but i don't think i liked it as much as you did oh i love true crime yeah i love i, and I love especially like i don't know for some reason like forced i watch real sports with brian gumbel it's just like that it's like i love like i love just good journalism <laughs> <laughs> well I think I think that's about it for this week. Yeah. So if you uh, liked what you heard as much as I did this week, that's great. And you should consider subscribing to us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all sorts of other fine podcasting institutions. You can also add us on Twitter. We're at That Sick Pod. Or you can follow us on Instagram at That Sick Podcast. And you can email us at that's.sick.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Questions, comments, concerns. Love it all. So until next week, friends, don't stick a fucking ice pick in your eye because that's, that's sick. sick.